Hello, everybody, and welcome back to a rather special, almost emergency episode of the Line of Vienna Suite podcast. My name is Tom Jenkins, and I'm joined today by James Jarvis, Eddie Skelly, and for the first time in a long time, Liam O'Meara. Liam, it's good to have you back. Um, as I'm sure you'll be able to guess, Bolton fans, there is a big reason why we'll be having a podcast right now, and that is because Keith Hill and David Flitcroft have been released of their, relieved of their duties by Football Ventures. Uh, I believe there was some kind of clause in their contract as to if we did get relegated, then there was an option to not renew. And Sharon Britton et al. have taken the decision to get rid of Keith Hill. It's a decision that is quite a lot of positivity by the fans, James. But um, I presume, are you in the same mindset or were you hoping to keep Keith Hill on? I think I know which group you stand in. <laughs> well, well, I can say um, that I was very much happy to see him go. He pretty much lost me around by January when... Um, when he was barely getting any signings in, he he got rid of one of the most consistent players of our season in Adam Chickson, and frankly, by that point, also the football had just deteriorated from the sort of more exciting attacking stuff it had been around October to just absolute dross, especially yeah. culminating that five-one loss at Lincoln, which really didn't help at all. Uh, I, th- I think that's when I got to the end of my tether, James. I think that's when the fans started to turn, wasn't it, really? Yeah, and yeah, that and the uh, post-Rochdale uh, interview where, where it was all like, no, nobody's on the same page and ranting about how the club wasn't united when, and if anything, that just united a lot, the majority of the fans to, to want him out. So there's some irony in that. Yeah, Liam, I think it was you that made the point just in the aftermath of that Rochdale game that obviously Keith has a huge amount of experience managing Rochdale. That's a team that he built, and yet they managed to beat us four times. I mean, if that doesn't sum up how poor a manager he was, nothing does. Exactly, exactly. It was a really watershed moment, that Rochdale moment, and it really made me think about Keith Hill, the manager, and I felt as if he created a scrutiny on himself. At that point, I was quite ambivalent towards him, to be honest. I I didn't think he was doing a bad job. I didn't think he was doing a brilliant job, but I wasn't particularly bothered about him but he, he seemed to think that the world was against him mm. and I can only think that he wasn't used to the level of scrutiny as managing a club like Bolton would bring and it wasn't something I thought about about him beforehand and I think that Rochdale moment was a real watershed moment I completely agree with Eddie Yeah, well, It seems really strange to me that a man like Keith Hill who clearly used some well tried to use his personality to get in the door more over his, his CV you know the whole um, way that they built up, but built up his appointment. Football Ventures was he's from Bolton. He is a Bolton man through and through. So clearly, that is the kind of thing that he tried to put forward. But when you look back, he's more Rochdale than he is Bolton. I mean, this is a man who's had fleeting success with Barnsley, but with the exception of his spell at Rochdale, there's nothing to write home about. Really, he's more Man United uh, uh, than than Bolton as well, well yeah. because he's, he was a United exactly. fan. Being a Boltonian exactly, doesn't guarantee that you're a Bolton Wanderers fan or that you know that, that much about the club. So that was an error and appointment on their part. But from what it sounded like in Mark in Mark Al's interview, it sounded like he was coming in, in with a plan, but his plan was probably just emulate what he did at Rochdale. And clearly that didn't work out. That's the thing. Just because you have experience doesn't mean it's not bad experience. And I think the Rochdale fans were very keen to see him go as and when he left. So, you know... There's always a reason why they end up in, in the situation they do when they've been at a club for such a long time like Keith Hill had. Eddie, what's, what's your reaction to it? I presume you're like-minded to us and are pleased to see a change. Yeah, I think it was time for a change. I said it was uh, safe from the board to take action when they did uh, because some clubs would have stuck by the manager um, who would have had such horrific conditions to manage in. Um, I, I agree with Liam when um, 
that he, he basically talked himself into a corner. I think Keyfield was his own worst enemy. He, he came in at the end of August with absolutely no expectations, no squad. Uh, really lifted the place up within a month and the results were picking up and uh, the football on the pitch was really amazing uh, to see. And then a game against Accrington happened um, in November and it just seemed to collapse from there. Everything that, I, that I, you know that he'd built already had just started to collapse and he started getting really um, statements in his press conferences and, and putting so much pressure on himself that he probably wasn't used to as a manager of a team like Barnsley or Rochdale. Uh, it, it just untenable um, his situation and he, we needed to make that change You say about the conditions of his management and maybe you know we should be a bit more uh, kinder towards his uh, regime at Bol- sorry regime at Bolton when he had such difficult conditions to manage under but do you think his personality just made it so difficult for fans to, to warm to him so even if he had been getting better results there still might have been some animosity there Absolutely yeah. I think his press conference free and most games, especially like you've mentioned, the Rochdale one, it was really hard for fans to warm to him because it always seemed like he had his expectations in his head that they thought the fans were putting on him or maybe they thought the board were putting on him. He just seemed to um, not be able to cope with the, you know, the club the size of Bolton. We're not particularly a big club anymore, but we're big in compared to Keyfield's past. And for whatever reason, uh, he just couldn't cope. Um, Liam, do you think that his personality was his own worst enemy or do you think he wasn't helped by the fact that in January he lost a few of his uh, best players without really having a say in losing them and also not able to replace them? Accumulation of things. I, I, I do think that, particularly at the turn of the year, his personality really didn't help. But I, I think it's easy to forget. We're on the back end of some pretty bad results. Um, at times when we had not the worst side in the league, you know, we were considered... considered high amount of goals in quite a few games. That, that Accrington one was staggering, really. You know, that that's some result against Accrington Stanley. And I think that with his personality, he, he would come out swinging a lot of the time when he didn't need it. You know, it, Bolton fans were, were kind of used to the calmness and the idea of keeping everything together, which was Parky. You know, and I know that Keith Hill made a point of not being compared to Parky, but no one was doing that. They, were, they, they couldn't have been any more different, really. So, yeah, his personality played a big part in it, I think. You're right. I think he, he drew comparisons um, to Sam Allardyce at one point as well, didn't he? Which, you know, no, no one is saying that you're anywhere near Big Sam's level. No one would ever even dream of making that comparison, you know, the situation or whatever. And I, I think you're right. It's all one thing to sort of have this brash outgoing personality, be a bit quirky and whatever. But to come out and literally after the Rochdale game, say something along the lines of, as you said, James, um, well, God, I can't remember what yeah, it was. Nobody's it, it, on the same page. That's the right. Nobody's on the same page. Criticised the fans, um, saying it, it was crass to suggest that his job was under threat. I mean, you're just cutting your nose off to spite your face, aren't you? Yeah, exactly. Although that, although I may say that maybe that uh, comment was maybe directed towards their their board as well, especially because it was around the, close to the time when they brought Tobias Phoenix in. They let Irfan Cowrie go from the scouting system and. And it basically getting rid of one of Keith's men to bring in one of their own, who who we're now going to rely on for next season. So it so I I I can I can sort of sympathise that they went up that they maybe went over his head with making these changes, but in the end the results weren't good enough. Like you obviously pointed out Stanley, I've pointed out Lincoln, but I'll also point out um, the Burton game where we started off really strong, and then by the end of that first half, when we scored two goals in about twenty minutes, by the end of that half we were three two down. 
My, my hope in um, his management had gone by, by the end of that Burton game because, and it, it, you know, there's all you can take all these results in isolation the 6 1 Rotherham, the 7 1 Accrington Stanley, the 5 1 Lincoln. The fact that A, we didn't actually feel too um, embarrassed by those results shows how far we've fallen and how poor the overall spell of his management was. But it also shows that he didn't instill any kind of belief in the players that when they did go a goal behind, that they could get something back out of it. They just seemed to completely and utterly collapse. And I think. You can blame the quality as much as you like, but you don't collapse and capitulate in that manner unless there is something really, really wrong in that dressing room for me. And I think that was why it was so obvious that Hill had lost them to a certain extent, don't you think, Eddie? Yeah, I think the uh, two games at the end of December, um, was it Shrewsbury and... Um, I think who the other one South End, was it? Maybe a bit later after that, I can't remember. Yeah, we, we beat South End, but there was two games following South End, one with Shrewsbury. It, it, Matt, was it Wimbledon? I'm, I can't remember actually thinking about it. Um, um, it was yeah, it was a game where oh, was it um, a game where? Are you, are um, you on about the two games where Lowe and Murphy got sent off respectively? Yes. Yeah, uh, yeah. One of them was Shrewsbury. I can't remember the other one, but I know what you mean. <laughs> uh, and it, but it just seemed there there was a, a complete lack of discipline. Like the, the squad had just completely lost their heads. It didn't seem to be this um, calmness in the team that. Um, that we'd necessarily seen uh, all season, but it just seemed like they, um, they were rushing and plunging into challenges that they didn't need to go into. And it just seemed like uh, there was no identity on the pitch anymore for whatever reason. And I think uh, that keeps guilty maybe of um, being able to control the players and not installing some kind of mentality uh, to go out onto the pitch. Yeah, tactically as well, I think it was very unfortunate for him to lose Thibaut Verlinden the way he did because he was so crucial to the kind of football that he wanted to play. Bridcut as well. But if you want Liam Bricker in your side to sort of dictate play in that midfield, you then put him at centre-back when you've got several centre-backs fit enough to be able to fill that void. Tactically, he didn't come across as the most astute manager in the world. I know we agreed um, that we didn't think Bricker suited our system, but he suited us even less playing as a centre-back, didn't he? Ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. It was We became such a one-dimensional team with him in the side. And it was basically putting him in because he was a quality... No one can deny the quality that Liam Brinkett had. No one could deny it. No, but we became not. so one-dimensional. Every team could see what we were going to do. He would dim- he would give the ball to someone and he would demand it back. And when he's doing that at centre-back, teams are just waiting for the, the mistake. Because if you're that predictable, it's so easy. Teams were letting us do it. We, we were It was a trap. We were set, putting ourselves in a trap every week. We were much better when he was at the side. Well, I think I've looked at results or something and I think they were fairly even. But I, I agree, we just looked a better team. We looked a more balanced side in there. I mean, no one is saying that Jason Lowe and Luke Murphy are world beaters in midfield and they, they, they don't have anywhere near the amount of talent that Bridcut does. But we said this before, didn't we? You know, you've got your King Cladsey and Eugenio examples from Man City and Middlesbrough, respectively. Really quality players who just overall made their teams worse because they were so, as you say, one-dimensional. And I think Keith became one-dimensional in the end as well. He was desperate to implement this passing style of play. And then he lost Thibaut Verlinden. And immediately after that, decided, right, we're going to become a hoofball team, which inevitably meant that we lost uh, the goals of Daryl Murphy because he's not suited to playing that role. I, I just, I think you're right. There, there was a pressure of managing a club like Bolton, the expectation that was there, even though, let's be honest, expectations have been uh, the lowest that they possibly could have been in the last couple of years. But, yeah, I don't know. I, I think... It's the it, was, it became untenable. It became untenable, didn't yeah. it? Yeah, it's the scrutiny. It was the fact that he, decisions that he made on the pitch and comments that he made in the media were never under the same scrutiny at Rochdale or Barnsley. Never. 
But when you do it at Bolton, and I'm not saying we're a, we're a, a big club or whatever, but we're bigger than what he's dealt with before. And he was under a certain scrutiny, and I think it really got to him. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think they've made the right call. I think we can all agree that they've made the right call. But what we were saying before we got on the call, Liam, this is a ballsy call as well, something that I don't think we necessarily expect from football benches. How big a part do you think Tobias Phoenix would have played in that decision? Well, it's what he's there for, isn't it? These are exactly the decisions that fall under his remit. So, yeah, um, it was a surprise. I, I think when you look back on it, maybe look at the results, it seems an easy decision, but it's not because this is a a club crying out for some sort of stability and Mm. changing managers doesn't do that. And football ventures will understand that very keenly, particularly with other outgoings in the boardroom. The last thing they wanted was more chaos in the ranks, but they've made this decision because they think it's the right thing to do. And yeah, it it takes some, some balls, like you say, to, to do that. What do you think would have been the most driving factor behind it, James, to make this decision? Do you think it's football, maybe to get fans back in the stadiums as and when we can return? Uh, probably a combination of both because Heath Keithill was certainly losing a lot of popularity and I don't think many fans wanted him to cut to, to be managing us when we went into League 2 and whenever the you know the, the, the Football League allows fans back in after all of this absolute pandemic nonsense. But... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, what 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 was your other point? Sorry, I was, I was losing my train of thought. No, I'm saying, do you think it was for more footballing reasons than it was for sort of the money aspect? Because I think, as you say, he'd lost the fans, and therefore there'd be a lack of um, renewals of season tickets as and when fans can come back if there's a man in charge they don't want to see managing their football team. Yeah, well, 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 it will be a money aspect anyway because of the aforementioned pandemic anyway. But uh, but it but regarding footballing reasons, um, I think so. Yeah, because. Usually, when you appoint a director of football, you tend you you don't really tend to have a manager at, at that club. And Keith Hill was a manager, like we said when he was at Rochdale, he pretty much managed everything from top to bottom, from transfer policy to start style of play to what to, to what bodies they brought in, who they, who they hired in as the backroom staff. Now that's going to be Tobias Phoenix's job, and we're more likely at this point to maybe bring in a coach. I'll I don't know. Maybe, I've mentioned David Lee, but I don't think he's going to get the job. Um, I don't know, Dean Holden or Jason Newell or or whoever at that point, just to more focus on the actual management, tactical setup side of things. While while Tobias Phoenix focuses on the on the tran- on the transfer policy, and I don't think Keith Hill was was ever going to be a man to accept that kind of change. He's he's had ten years of management experience, and he's probably a bit too set in his ways to adapt to something like that. Yeah, Eddie, do you think it? is going to hinder us in what options in terms of manager we can bring in having a director of football there because a lot of them don't seem to like having someone like that to work with. Possibly, yeah. Um, You're going to see we're probably with like the the usual suspects that always get linked with teams. um, Paul Hurst, who've been around for the last few years and Kim Bottoms and uh, Nigel Clough, they might not want to uh, work with a director of football then. Like like Keyfield, James Keyfield, you know, they're used to having to be the manager, having to organise transfers, having to in- install what that club is under his uh, management. So maybe uh, there are a lot of people who don't who can't work in that system or who aren't comfortable in uh, open with that system or going into that system. So um, it just seems like the club uh, under Tavares Phoenix, as elusive as he is, you know, we've not heard much from him, uh, are trying to install an identity as Bolton Wanderers rather than Keith Hill's Bolton Wanderers or Phil Parkinson's Bolton Wanderers. They're trying to 
sets up a transfer system, sets up this identity where even if the coach changes, uh, it's not reliant on whoever is in charge or the squad isn't reliant on uh, if we have a manager or not. They're trying to install this identity that goes on beyond the manager or the head coach and uh, going to be a few people who probably can't work in that system, but maybe that's for the better. Maybe we will pick a diamond in the rough, someone who's not been given a chance yet, and maybe they'll be the person who can uh, start Bolton Monster back up the leagues. Yeah. It would follow, though, wouldn't it, logically, then, that you'd want someone who knows the club, someone who's probably already there, and therefore David Lee would be the person who would come to mind. But we're sort of, we're led to believe, I mean, that he's probably not in consideration. Liam, Liam I don't think you were particularly for David Lee. Um, what, what, what was your reasoning behind that? I just, I don't want unproven, I don't want, I don't want someone who's not done it before at this crucial time for our club. I, I understand the knowing the club, and, and but I, I just... I don't put that much value on it. I don't see what a pre-season couldn't do for someone who's not doesn't know the club and doesn't know it inside out. I just don't want us to have someone who's not done the job before at this crucial point. I, I understand the argument that he's arguably waited for his opportunity and he's been loyal to the club, but I, I just want a safer pair of hands than that, I must admit. Don't get me wrong, I don't, I don't think someone should be given the job just based off they've waited for their opportunity. I don't think anyone is owed anything by the club, especially in the sort of the dire, dire situation that we find ourselves in. I think the main argument for David Lee, aside from his connections there, was the fact that we're probably going to be going into next season basing our team around the youth, a youth that he has worked with quite consistently. Do you do not see that as an advantage that would put him in a, in a sort of a more positive light? Possibly, but why not be assistant manager then? That would Possibly. be a promotion for him, wouldn't it? That's a yeah. promotion for him anyway. He's not done that either. This no. is where I kind of struggle with it. He's not done either role. If mm-hmm. he'd been assistant, then I could I could understand it a little bit more. But I'm struggling to see it, to be honest. Well, we've been down the point, the unproven assistant before, haven't we, with Sammy Lee? And that turned out swimmingly. Um, <laughs> James, there's a lot of names being thrown out there. Who, If you had to sort of pick one out that would be top of your list, who would you go for? Uh in an, in an, it's a tough one. Yeah, yeah, because I can. Th- I, I honestly can't tell because in an in an ideal world, I, I've heard some names. I can only really go over the names that have been bandied about. Like I know some people want Ryan Law, but I think he fits the mold more of manager than coach at this point. I can understand the argument saying that he'd, um, you know, want to come back up northwest. His family's still up there, etc., and it might be more convenient for him. But he's also just got promoted with Plymouth. Why leave yeah, I, a successful I don't think team? That's a I think that's a non-starter. Yeah, personally. yeah, exactly. I feel it's a non-starter. Any other experienced names you can throw out there, like, like say, for example, uh, I don't know, Paul Hurst, yeah. Chris Powell, those yeah. kind of managers. Yeah, 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 and Richie Wellens, pretty much in the same boat as Ryan Law, stuff like that. Um, and uh, plus, uh, plus a lot of the experienced names out of the job, while some of them have been successful in their careers as well, they've also failed. And I don't know. It's I don't know. It's it's really we're not exactly fishing in a pond, mate, where everyone's going to be really successful. I think you've sort of got to yeah. pick out a best fit yeah. rather than someone who's just this diamond in the rough, as Eddie said. Yeah, I was about to say it's not the strongest argument, but. At the same time, I, I, this new setup could probably provide the opportunity for someone who either has little experience of management or, or not or no experience, of giving them the chance to get their start in and start to, um, you know, build their philosophy in the team. So, I, 
So I know Kevin Norn's been banning about. I don't see it happening. I think he'll stick it out as a coach at West Ham. But you know, someone along those lines could could be a name. Um, others who who want to take their first step in management, like um, yeah, like I don't know, Jason Ewell, Dean Holden, something like someone like that, or or yeah. the or the jerk, or you know, like like we've heard earlier today, we could just pull a name from abroad and give them their chance in the English Premier League, <laughs> like like this Torsten Liebernecht or whatever, or however you pronounce that. Well, well done. <laughs> I, I was I was waiting for you to absolutely butcher that. Um, Eddie, do you think experience or lack of experience? I mean, let's be honest, lack of experience is always something that is associated with weakness. But, you know, someone who's a bit unproven could could turn out to be... You know, everyone's unproven at some stage. It could turn out well for Wanderers. But if you were going to make the decision, it fell at your lap, which uh, side would you go towards? It's difficult, really, isn't it? Um, I think, it, as you said earlier, it all depends. Um, Tobias Phoenix likes who he thinks he's going to work well, best with, and he thinks uh, is going to be uh, the best person to take the club because uh, as a head coach, it's more just going to be tactical, you know, ta- um, tactics and motivation rather than the transfer side and the, the management side of the job. Um, all depends, really. I think League Two is a really good level for that unproven manager. Um, the likes of Ryan Lowe, who, who took over Barry and got them promoted. Plymouth uh, up to League One um, last week, and, and then you know Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank uh, did really well with Burton Albion a few years ago, and there's a couple other managers. Matt Taylor, who uh, is uh, on our long list, he's forty to one at the minute. He's just taken Exeter up to League One um, in his first he's managerial role. He's, he's from Charlie, yeah, local lad, same as um, Parkinson. So, uh, and there's a couple other names uh, on the long the long list who are in their first jobs and really cut their teeth in League Two. So it is a level, if we are going to offer uh, the role to um, someone who's never had that chance before, it is a really good level uh, to test them. Um, I think David Lee, um, sadly, probably isn't going to be given the role. Um, He's done fantastically well with our academy um, over the years. Um, But um, I think it's been banded about, maybe in our group chat, maybe on social media, that um, would he be given that opportunity at another club? Or is it just because it's Bolton Mondra's? And just mm. because he's a, he's so uh, synonymous with Bolton Wanderers that we're willing to give him that chance, because um, it's not like our academy is such a high level. Obviously, there's no taking away the job he's done with our academy, but um, we're professional development league one or two that he um, he got the title in. Whereas somebody who isn't going to get the job but um, is a favourite of ours, Radish Aidi. Um, was uh, head coach of uh, the under twenty threes of Southampton in the uh, Premier League academy. Um, and yeah, it's a completely different ball game, isn't it? Really, absolutely. Yeah, and they've been well known and uh, had a consistent rate of really successful players over the years. Southampton, it's it's really different, and it's a shame for David Lee because he's made it no secret of wanting the job for the last couple of years, and maybe it's um, like Phil Brown, isn't it? All the way yeah. back in the early two thousands. Phil Brown, like Paul Parkey took over, I think it, that ruined his job at Southend because he was so public about his want for the job and how he thought it was the right time to take over Bolton. And maybe that's uh, the downfall of David Lee as well. And it's a sad thing, but maybe there's a role the first team set up, like Liam said, um, where he's not manager, but he could be a coach. He could be that person who has knowledge of the club, has been at the club for so many years, instill that knowledge and help out a head coach or, um, in that first team setup. 
Yeah. It does damage, doesn't it, Liam, when the guy's shouting out, I want the job, I want the job, because clearly, you know, the people who end up getting offered it aren't the ones who've thrown their toys out of the pram in the same way that David Lee has almost done. I mean, he said it on a on a, a, the Bandanasis podcast. I mean, if that's not a come get me play, nothing is. Well, this is it, isn't it? <laughs> this is it. It's, I, daft. I mean, it's daft, isn't it? I, I, I like him. And in an ideal world, yeah, you know, just give him a go, but it's just... It's such an important appointment, this. You know, we, we could stick in League 2 here. Mm. We're bottom wanderers. Like, as long as I've been alive now, and I turned 30 last week, we've not been at this level. We can't stay here too long. No, God, no. It, it needs to be immediate. It needs to be an immediate promotion, doesn't it? Because then, you know, I think football ventures start losing interest. Fans start losing interest. It, you know, we could go the way of... So many other clubs who've taken the absolute dive. And I, I don't think we could um, do more than one year at this level. I really don't. Yeah. Well, no. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, I was about to say, well, you look at it like yeah. like Portsmouth. They didn't even get their big investment from Michael Eisner until they got promoted from League One. And, and that took them a good few years to get out of that league after through all their troubles. We were lucky the last time we were in League Two because... Um, because Phil Neal somehow managed to get get us out of that mire, but but I don't, and he was sort of an unproven manager, so that's why I was thinking that it's silly to just one experience because you could have because an unproven manager has done it with us before, but uh, but yeah. I understand yeah, I understand the argument, especially because it's a different world to how it was in the eighties. It is it, it's, it's difficult, but in the end, it is just going to come down to. Who, who Tobias Phoenix thinks he can get along with, and how well the the recruitment and the setup is going to be uh, amongst mm. amongst Phoenix and whoever FV appoint. Yeah, Liam, do you want to give your case for Gary Bowyer? I look at the Blackpool job, and I think that that was a fantastic job, and it, it ticks all the boxes that I mentioned earlier. But it, it was a very important time in Blackpool's history. That um, also they were, they had a lot of. I know people point out the job at Bradford that hasn't gone well. It, it wasn't a catastrophe either. It, it, it was just not quite getting it right. You know, it wasn't a case of them being poor. They just weren't quite getting it right. And they weren't happy with the football, Bradford, because obviously, like every Yorkshire club, they play complete total football normally. So it's, um, I look at the Blackpool job and I think that the job he did there under the conditions he did it in, getting them out of that league relatively quickly, I don't see how you can look at anyone else and think that's what we're after. You look at Boy and he, and he has done what we want. Now, I'm not saying that there's a lot of people that I don't want because I look at the list and I'm there's not many that I would say I don't want him. I don't want him. There's not many really. A lot of them are quite decent considering the other fact we're into you know leads. I think Nigel Clough is top of the betting at the moment. I mean, that would be, be a ridiculous appointment. So, that one's not. That's what I mean. <laughs> Yeah, I don't, but I don't think it'll happen. But at the same time, it's you look at the list and you think there's not that many that are that bad there. But personally, I would pick Boyer. Yeah, I think it's interesting that all these people have been banded around when there's probably minimal chance of them coming down to this level. But to have Nigel Clough, I mean, obviously I know he was at Burton, but that's a you know he did a really really good job at Championship level for them with Derby as well, and for him to get thrown to, uh, towards Bolton at a really really short odds, who've just gone down to League Two. I don't want to blow our own trumpets, but I don't think you'd be seeing that if it was Lincoln City but, or Shrewsbury Town getting that. But you've got to remember, a lot of these championship managers are under pressure from foreign appointments now. It's becoming more and more prevalent in the championship. Mm-hmm. So it's not that ridiculous. If you take a step back and look at it, 
it's not that ridiculous because a lot of the top half of the championship now are looking abroad. And then all of a sudden, if you have a, a bad job, you know, you can be cast on that pile and it can be very quickly become difficult to get another job. So I'm not surprised that they may potentially be interested in us, mm. particularly if they get the right promises from Football Ventures about bud potential budgets. Yeah, there's nothing more pressure than being out of work, is there? So, no, I, I, I think we'd be a relatively attractive proposition for, for a man like Nigel Clough, but you've got to think that there's another job out there. But uh, I don't know. I've, I've, I've never been in that position where I've been in work like he was at Burton for year upon year upon year and then suddenly out of it. You never know. They might panic and decide to take pity on us. But I, I think that would be a fantastic appointment if we could get it over the line. The other person, of course, that we mentioned earlier, whose name has been uh, linked with us ever since uh, Hill took over, is Kevin Nolan. It's not likely, is it, James? But he would take my boxes. Certainly, he'd be he'd be my my first choice. I'd, I'd certainly have him. Um, I mean, like I said, I think he'll see out his um, his year of coaching at West Ham and then decide where to go from there. So I don't think he's he's going to be an option for now. But I, I, but if it, but if he did appear, I certainly wouldn't complain. Um, I know some people point out to his time at. Leighton Orient and Notts County, but Leighton Orient, we saw what happened to them. That was a that was a shit show, and they got relegated to the to the national league. So he did a cracking job in Notts County. I say this every time we talk about Kevin. Oh, he did a gr- he did a great job in Notts County. Job. He he got them to the playoff semi finals, and I watched that game. He was desperately unlucky. Oh, he it was, was a disgrace. De- it was an he was desperately disgrace. unlucky to not get them to the finals, and then and and, and look what happened to them the second he left. Yeah, yeah, he only got about four games. Granted, they didn't start out. He, he didn't start out very good, but but I'm I'm sure over time he would have picked it up, or maybe not, considering what what Notts County turned into. But but that's only for speculation. Regardless, I'm yeah. going off track. Um, you look at his you look at his record as a manager. He's got he's got an over forty percent win record, which is a damn sight better than so than some of the other managers on on that list who who have. If I experience, he has nearly over a hundred games. He he would not he would not be a bad appointment in my opinion. But like I said, I don't see it happening. No, neither do I, unfortunately. But you know, you've got to wonder whether or not there's some kind of um, part of his personality that's wanting to prove himself as a manager. Obviously, we couldn't compete with West Ham in terms of wages, uh, what they'd be giving him as a coach. But if you've got that desire to manage, then you know a club like Bolton would be would be there for the taking. Um, Eddie. We've seen, obviously, that ridiculously long list of people. Uh, you've got Jason Yule down there as well, although based on what came out today in his uh, talk about uh, the recent uh, issues with racism, I don't think Bolton would be top of his list. Uh, but there are loads of out, out there who are willing to prove themselves, but there's also loads out there who have experience and don't necessarily, um, well, don't have all those offers rolling in. I don't really know which way this is going to go. I genuinely have zero inkling as to which way the board are thinking. They've not really come out and made, made their made their intentions clear, despite what uh, Mark Isles seems to have heard about this head coach thing. But when you, until you hear anything from them, I don't think you can make a judgment, can you? Um, it's sort of exciting in a way because um, last season, you know, we started a minus twelve points, and the Bolton jobs kind of seemed like a poison chalice, and we were told quite early on, um, or we were relatively very early on, that it was a two-horse race between Kevin Owen and Keith Hill. It's kind of exciting in a way. See this long list of managers that could be a, possi- a possibility. Some are just ridiculous choices and I don't think fans would like, but there's a lot of young and exciting managers on there. There's a lot of experienced managers like Nigel Clough and Gary Boyer um, who have been there, who've done promotion, who've had small budgets and, and done a fantastic job. It's kind of exciting that there's so many options for us. 
at a time last year when it was um it looks like it was going to be a real cheap appointment and we didn't know uh no we did we well we did know who it was going to be really so to be in the dark about who it's going to be and uh, who uh, football ventures have in their mind it, it's sort of exciting it, it's also quite worrying in a, in a small sense because um you know we'd like to know who is going to take over? Uh, what kind of manager they're going to be? Are they going to work with Tobias Phoenix? Uh, are we going to go with a, an unproven manager and give him his first chance, or are we going to go for that safe option, the experienced option? But it's certainly not a deal with Bolton Wanderers, is it? Absolutely not. No. Yeah. If I may say, I don't agree with the with the Eddie's point that it's worrying. Uh, I think it's only worrying if it if it drags out, because then it's a sign of oh God, has that has them has the people they wanted disappeared or. Or anything like that. If they if they appoint them, say at some point ne- next week, or or after mo- in or around Monday when this goes out, that that then then we'll know what direction they're heading in. Uh, it, it is going to be a difficult choice to pick the right man, but they also can't uh, take take their time with it or, or or rush it. So we say like they did with um, Hill to see whether they were the right man. When do you think they'd make the appointment? Then, if you had to guess, if I were them, I'd make it by. By the end of the week. Really? Yeah. That quickly. Uh, I'd pro, I'd probably say even Friday because any manager that you want to bring in, you want to give them a, a a sort of a bedding in period as well as guarantee that they will have a pre season with with the squad of players that are, that are currently contracted to get to know them, get to know the player, mm. know how to develop them, know know if any of the young lads that we've given the contract to need to go out on loan somewhere. Just all those decisions that need to be made. Yeah, Liam, do you think Football Ventures have got the sort of footballing knowledge wherewithal to be able to make the correct call here as they've shown you over their time at the club that they've got this kind of uh, you know positive decision in them? I hope so. I hope so. not really had too many thing, things like this when they've had to make this sort of decision. I could understand the key field decision when they made that on, at the time. I'd be lying if I said I, I didn't think it was the right decision at the time. That was the hindsight shows differently, but yeah, I'd, I'd like to think so. I'd like to think it, obviously, the Tobias Phoenix appointment will uh, play a big part in this, and I'm happy to judge them after, to be honest. I, I've seen nothing that suggests to me that I need to worry about this, but we'll see. We will indeed. I think it's, um, well, I think, as Eddie said, it's exciting. It, it is a tad concerning, because you don't know which direction this could go in, but I think we're all in agreement that the correct decision was made there. I think just to finish this one off, lads, we know who your choice is, Liam. You're going to be in the Gary Boyer camp, but I'm going to put the other two of you on the spot. You have to pick one manager from the list that's currently out there. Who are you going for? Eddie, I'll start with you. Uh, just because it rolls off the tongue so beautifully, uh, Torsten Liebenick's Super White Army. Right, I'm not getting that on a shirt. Uh, James, what about you? If possible, I'd go for Ian Everett. We haven't touched on Ian Everett. I, I, I presume that he was sort of on the uh, the no pile because of compensation. Same with Richie Wellens. Possibly, possibly, but the difference is that um, uh, well, Wellens and Law are going up to League One. It wouldn't make as much sense for them to drop a division. But but even though even though Barrow are currently on the on the rise under him, we we. <laughs> Be, being tempted by a, by a bigger club, even if we have gone through the hard times, and and having the and maybe being the man um, to to be able to build us back to it once that might that's a very that's a very very tempting thing to a manager, and it and even if we might have to pay some compensation, 
I don't I don't think it would be nearly as much for 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 ever at Barrow say as it would uh, for Low at Plymouth or well or Wellens at um, or Wellens at uh, Swindon. So, so, Liam, so, what do you think of Ian Abbott? Sorry, James, I've got to cut you off a little bit there. Yeah, yeah no, I was just saying. So I don't. So uh, I was just about to say that. Um, so I, I wouldn't rule him out, and I'd also say that if we want to continue this idea of playing total football, especially considering we've got a couple flair players like like Politic and Darcy and whatnot, he, he would he would suit that category to try and get that total football at League Two level as well. Fair enough, Liam, Ian Everts. Done a fantastic job at Barrow. Mm-hmm. That that's clear to everyone. Um, like everybody, I wonder whether it's something that could happen with obviously potential for compensation. You don't know the terms of people's employment, whether it would be a compensation element. You, you don't know, but everyone has indicated that that probably would be the case. So it seems unlikely. I think most people would be happy if we got Ian Everett, to be honest. Yeah, I think. You know, no disrespect to Barrow fans, I'm looking forward to coming and watching us absolutely pummel you 7 0 when we play you next season. Oh, but Barrow have a ceiling. We don't. And that it can only be an attractive option, surely. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. It is what it is. We shall see what happens. Um, I'm looking forward to hearing a decision. I don't think it'll be next week, like James thinks, but um, you've got to hope that it'll be fairly soon. But then again, we don't have a playing squad at the moment. So what's the issue with not having a manager? When we started the last season, not having a playing squad and a manager, didn't we? So we're used to that. Um, thank you very much for listening, everyone. Uh, this has been sort of a special episode to discuss Keith Hill and David Flickcross' departure. Flick has not even got a mention in this podcast. It sort of sums up his uh, lack of influence on what went on on the pitch. But, um, yeah, we will see what goes on in the coming weeks and as to what appointment football ventures make. But for Keith Hill, that's your lot.